0: I remember the first time I ever laid eyes on Kevin Lewis. At least I think it was the first time. It was over a decade ago now. I was a third-year law student at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I was there for a Wednesday service, and a new guy walked in. Now, new guys, and Kevin was an undergraduate student at the University of Michigan at the time, It was not so odd that a student would come to Ann Arbor Baptist Church. It was in a college town, and we had other students coming. But it was odd because it was a Wednesday night. And students didn't come on Wednesday night. They came on Sunday morning, and that was it. So that was the first thing that stood out. But then the second, there was something else that very quickly stood out. This guy was wearing a suit. And not only was a student showing up on a Wednesday night service, he was wearing a suit to a Wednesday night service. And who does that? Uh, And immediately, of course, I think that night probably, I went over and said hi to him, and it didn't take long to learn that he was a basketball player. Um, I can tell you outside of the Division I players I've played with, one of the best basketball players I've played with, it wasn't long until we were going to play pickup at the gym together, until we were playing on the same intramural team, until we were spending time um, just as friends. And over that decade, it's just been one of the great just joys, one of the friendships. I'll, I'll never forget when I sent him a Facebook message. We were at a time where I had stepped in as pastor. We were at a real need of having a director of community ministries. And I thought, well, Kevin is involved in that world, and he's at a Baptist church there. Um, That was his home church. He was just coming to Ann Arbor Baptist for Wednesday night services while he was there in Ann Arbor um, at at school. He would go home uh, to his weekend church, where they'll be moving back uh, to. And I said, you may know of someone who may be interested in in serving as a a community ministry director, of helping lead our community ministries. He said, I don't know of anyone, but we might be interested. And I'm thinking, what? What? Um, and sure enough, uh, that led about seven years ago to the first time I ever met Shay Lewis. Now, uh, we, they had come in as a time just to take a look and see if this might indeed be the right fit. We, might, we met at, you might remember this, Lewis's Brassa, over northeast, right off Hennepin there. And of course, Shea, as Sarah said, You know, angelic kind of floated in, and everything, uh, everything put together, and everything, well, there. And we got to know Shay. We went to the state fair together with Kevin and Shay, and it wasn't long then that winter that they moved here nearly seven years ago. And some of you may remember. Tabitha reminded me on the way in today, just so happened to be during a driving snowstorm. You may have, you may have remembered. Welcome to Minnesota. And here is our driving snowstorm. Well, fast forward nearly seven years, and so many different things in which the Lewis family has blessed us, they are now saying goodbye, at least for now. And this is one of the things that, of course, is that song that we sang. This is, this does give us inward pain, because we are a body and we do operate like a body, and we function like a body, and when one of our body parts, it feels like, is being cut off, is being taken away and transported elsewhere, it it creates a kind of sadness and a sorrow that's, that's perfectly natural and perfectly acceptable and perfectly appropriate. And as I was thinking about what to... To commemorate this event with and direct our hearts in a way that would be profitable. I thought of another farewell in the Bible. Kevin read it for us tonight. A farewell that involved a lot of tears, a farewell that involved a lot of embraces, a farewell of someone who hadn't spent seven years in a local church body, but had spent three years. The Apostle Paul had been in the church of Ephesus teaching for three years. They loved this man. He had written them, the um, uh, we see later, the epistle to the Ephesians. This was a man who had a deep, overflowing heart of love for this church. And now as he was heading back to Jerusalem, we learn, to get ready for Pentecost, he realized, I will never see these people again. Kevin and Jay, I expect to see you again. I demand to see you again, uh, if the Lord will allow. But Paul knew he would never see these people again. And they learned that they would never see him again. But what I want to do as we look at this passage is to just take a few uh, moments to meditate on verses number 33 through 35. Because in these few short verses... Paul is actually very interestingly speaking to the elders at the church of Ephesus, these ones who he would really be leaving in charge of the flock that was at Ephesus, and he is giving a very interesting testimony to them. Listen to what his testimony is to them as he leaves them. First, verse 33, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. That's a pretty straightforward testimony to them. Listen to what he says next. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands, now can't you just see him putting up his hands? These hands have ministered unto my necessities, my needs, and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. And verse 38 ends that they accompanied him unto the ship. Kevin and Shay are too humble to apply these words to themselves. And that's why I want to do it for them tonight. As we say farewell to the Lewises, to acknowledge the faithful service that would allow them to testify as the Apostle Paul did to our body here at Straight Gate Church, not as a praise to them, but as to the God who worked it through them and as an example for us to follow. The message tonight is simply entitled Farewell to the Lewises. And as we look at a farewell to Paul, let's look at an example that we should apply to our own lives. I just want to break this into three very brief points here tonight. First of all, I want to look at Paul's experience. Paul's experience. Notice what he says in verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. He said, I have not been here ministering to you for the last three years looking for what I can get from you. He says the opposite. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. I have been working for myself. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 makes clear, and when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, Paul knew he had the right to be supported by a local church. But Paul said, I intentionally have not done that. Now, that is a model that we have followed here at Straight Gate Church since its founding. My father did not take a salary from the church. I do not take a salary from the church. We intend to say, you know that these hands have ministered unto our necessities. My dad told the story once of a man who came to him and told him he believed Scripture required him to take a salary and be supported by the church. And my father responded, well, what about the Apostle Paul? And the man's response was a little interesting. He said, well, you're no Apostle Paul. My dad had to acknowledge you are correct. Uh, that is true. I am no apostle Paul, but I do think there's a scriptural warrant for what he's doing, and that's certainly the model that we have followed. But notice what he says: "These hands have ministered unto my necessities, to my needs, and to them that were with me." So Paul was not only supporting himself with hard work, We well, you say, "What kind of work? What kind of work? A tent maker. He made tents. He took leather and fashioned them into tents. This is hard manual labor for a man who was no spring chicken at this point, for not a young man, not only for his own needs, but for those that were with him. His ministry team, Paul, was supporting their needs as well. And notice what it says, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. So what was Paul doing? His experience was that he was supporting The weak. Now, if you notice this testimony that he gives, and we won't look at every single example, but if in these verses that we read, you'll see Paul was supporting the weak in several ways. One was spiritually. He tells them, I've been testifying to you night and day. I have been teaching you publicly, and I've been teaching you from house to house. Paul was consistently supporting the spiritual needs of the people at Ephesus. But not only that, he was supporting their emotional needs. He was investing emotionally in them. Scripture, we see here that he has been declaring the counsel of God to them and that he has been preaching and warning them with tears. This is something that he poured his emotional input into. Now, it's one thing, all of you can testify, it's one thing when you are called to do hard physical labor. That creates a kind of strain, but how many of you know truly, personally, deeply, the emotional toil that comes with meeting the needs of others? When it is not something that you can write a check and say, here, problem solved, but it is involved in getting your hands dirty, in messy human relationships, and difficult situations, I will tell you from my personal experience, that is more draining, that is more exhausting, that is more um, uh, 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 utterly exhausting than physical labor. Paul was invested in the life of these people, and not only, not only spiritually, not only emotionally, but then also physically. He was involved in providing financial support. The man who was ministering to them spiritually was at the same time turning around and supporting the weak. Now, this is why we need to see, secondly, not just his experience, but secondly, what I'm going to call his equation. Because notice what he says in verse 35. To remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What was Paul's way of looking at things? How could he be so sacrificial, so invested in individual people, spiritually, emotionally, and physically? It's because the math equation was a little different than sometimes ours is. How do you and I think about giving to others? Don't we often think about it a little bit like we have a bucket? We have a money bucket. And we have an emotional bucket. And we have an energy bucket. And we give out of that bucket, and as a result, the bucket depletes. It just is evaporating. And eventually, we get down to the bottom of the bucket, and we say, I don't have any more. I'm sorry. I don't have anything to offer to this situation. No resources to invest. You know, that's one of the ways that far too often we think about church ministry. And frankly, churches contribute to this. And it's not right. There's an idea that church and church ministry is something that we twist people's arm to and we put little guilt trips on them, like you have to be working harder and more and your bucket needs to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And are you down at the bottom of the bucket? No, I don't think so. I think there's, a, there's actually a little bit more that you quite haven't exhausted yet. And it's actually not healthy. Because frankly, friends, we, in, in one sense that's true. We do have, We're not God. We are not infallible. We are not inexhaustible in our resources monetarily. We are not unlimited in our resources emotionally, and we are not unlimited in our ability to produce energy in a situation. So when we pretend like this is a matter of duty, no, you've got to give more out of your bucket, we've got to be careful. Because that's actually not the way the Scripture does it, and that's not the way local church ministry should look like. What is the equation that Paul gives? He said, you need to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, who, what he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, pause here for just a minute. When and where, what is Paul quoting here? Where is he quoting in Scripture where Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive? Does anyone know? Trick question. Nowhere. Do you know this is a saying of Jesus Christ that would have been lost to eternity unless Luke had recorded Paul saying this? This must have been some oral tradition that had been passed down. Remember what Jesus said? Remember what Jesus said? It's not contained in any of the Gospels, though yes, there's a summary of it. You could glean it from the Gospels. Kevin read this morning for us, give and it will be given to you again, pressed down, shaken together, good measure, running over. But it's actually nowhere in the Gospels. This is something that Wonderfully, gratefully for us, Paul quoted, and Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote it down right here. Well, let's look at this equation. How is it different from the idea that our ministry, our service, our giving is just a bucket that's just getting depleted? Notice what he's saying. Paul is not saying it's not blessed to receive. You notice that? How many times have you received from someone and you have truly been blessed? You received financially from someone and it was a true blessing. You received emotionally from someone's investment and it was a true blessing. You received spiritually from someone and it was a true blessing. Paul is not saying feel guilty about receiving. No, he's not doing that. What is he saying? He's saying it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now think about that. What does he mean when he says it's blessed... To give. What is a blessing? Is a blessing something you receive? Yeah. Here's what he's saying. When you give, you what? You receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive, and in the giving, not when it's the Pharisee giving that toots a horn and says, look at me. No, God says, at that point, you have your reward. There's no more reward for you. But in the giving that is done in the name of Christ and by faith, there is a reception. There is blessing. Paul says elsewhere, he says, he that sows bountifully will reap. Bountifully. Jesus himself said, when you call a dinner, don't call those that will invite you back again and you'll get repaid. Invite people who can't invite you back invite the blind and the lame and those who are outcasts in society they won't invite you back and then guess what you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You will be it's a blessing. In other words, what he's saying is that the equation is not, you know what, I've got this much in my bucket, and it's going to be emptied, and it's going to be gone. It's saying when you empty your bucket, when you give bountifully, God is heaping, is giving back to you. And he says, therefore, it is more blessing to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the question tonight, church, is whether we are going to believe it. Are we going to believe it? This morning, Kevin's message was so powerful. If you have not had a chance to listen to it because you were in Sunday school this morning, please go listen to it this week. It will be really... I, I talked to multiple people who said it was like it was for me. Tabitha leaned over to me and as... as as Kevin was just getting into it, and she said he might as well just be saying, and she gave a name of someone she knew that God was speaking to her about, and there was someone else outside that I was talking to about. Listen to that. And what Kevin brought out this morning was giving, giving, giving in the context of our enemies. But here, it's broader. He's just saying, be a giver. Why? Because God tells you that is the way of blessing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, let me take that picture that we just had of us having a bucket and I don't have any more to give. I give and my bucket is small and I have no more. I, I said that's true in a certain extent. We don't have unlimited buckets to give. But do you know, friends, I fear that, that for some of us, we just don't realize how big our bucket is. We're walking around with a bucket that's way bigger than we think it is, but we think we're scraping the bottom. And do you know what the problem is? It's not the size of our bucket, it's the size of our faith. It's the size of our faith that says, do I, re- do I believe I'm being blessed? Do I believe that God will recompense me at the resurrection of the just? Am I walking in faith by supporting the weak who will never pay me back? Do I believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive even when I don't feel it? You see, friends, the way a church ministry operates is should not be by twisting people's arm by duty and saying, try a little harder and do a little more. The way a church ministry operates when it's healthy is to say, you should recognize how big your bucket is and not try to strain beyond that. But are you walking in faith to believe and live like there is a God in heaven who will recompense and reward you perfectly for your seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in this world. Friends, how big is our bucket when we're walking by faith to say there is a reward, there is a, rece- a giving that is actually a receiving. And in fact, friends, I can tell you from my own personal experience that there are times when I am feeling exhausted and tired, and yet in the act of faith in giving, there is an instant energy that God is communicating to me, I'm blessing you right now. I'm giving you the strength that you need to do this task that I have called you to do. Yes, you are not God. You are not superhuman. You cannot go beyond the, what, the, what God has put in front of you and given you the resources to do, but let's just make sure we're operating by faith it is more blessed to give than to receive. So finally, then, not only do we see Paul's experience, not only do we see his, uh, not only do we see his equation, we see thirdly here an example. Because utterly, ultimately, why I want to encourage us to is verse number thirty-five. Notice what he says: "I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak." He's saying, labor like me. Work hard like I did. Why? So that you can support the weak. You know, friends, this is one of the things I am utterly blown away by, this church. This church gives itself to supporting those among us and all of us and in this community that in some ways cannot repay. But, you know, even more so, the reason is, and and I want to say this, Kevin and Shay, have been an example to us of so laboring so that they might support the weak. Kevin works a stressful job, a time-consuming job. We've seen the travel. And I just want to make this connection here. What is Paul saying when he says, I labored to support my own necessities so that I could support the weak? Do you see the connection? One of the things that Paul did is he made sure he was taken care of, so why? So he could take care of others, so he would be freed take care of others. One of the reasons we have by working hard is to turn around and give to those who have need. And here Paul's work was connected to his sacrifice. Let me just say this is just one encouragement that's been very helpful for Tabitha and me. One of the things we've seen is look for ways to buy up time so that you can serve other people. Sometimes there may be some people here who God has put you in a comfortable enough position financially but what you're missing out on is time buy time spend money buy Buy opportunities. Buy things so that you can free up more of your time so that you can support people who are weak, so that you can give of yourself in taking away from those things. Tabitha and I have had to look at that practically in the callings that God has given us. In what way can we use our financial resources in order to open up more time so that we can serve each other and serve the Lord together? And I would just put that in front of you as something to think about. Now, let me pause for just a moment here because you might be saying, well, Kevin and Shay have invested a lot in my life. Does that mean I'm weak? Does that mean you're saying I'm weak? No. Here's the point. All of us are weak. We are weak in different ways and at different times. And the great blessing of the body of Christ is that there are not some kind of weak class of people who we are all, I guess i got to step in and deliver this person again. The truth of the body of Christ is that all of us are strong in areas that can minister to times and seasons and places when someone else is weak. Do you know I can prove this? Because it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, you say, the one who supported the weak? The one who worked so that he would minister to the necessities of others? Yes, that Apostle Paul. Like in Acts chapter 28 when he was on the way to Rome and brothers from Rome came a long journey to see him at the three taverns and Paul says that he saw them and thanked God and took courage. Here was a saint who had supported so many and yet at that point he was weak and the ministry, the very simple physical ministry of people going to greet him in person greatly strengthened that old saint's heart. What about 2 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul says, he said, only Luke is here with me. He said, uh, he said tight, he, um, he said, uh, actually I want to look at this because I want to make sure I get this right here. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at what he says. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed into Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And then he says, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Here this dear old saint, who had ministered so much to Timothy, had ministered so much to Mark, is now looking at them and saying, I'm weak, come support me, come strengthen me. You say, why is that important? Well, because it's important for all of us to recognize that as it is blessed to give, it is also at times blessed to receive. Because there will be times, my friend, no matter how strong you are now, you will be weak, and you will need someone else to come alongside you. And you will need them to give into your life. You will need them to invest into you. Maybe it's going to be emotionally. Maybe it's going to be spiritually. Maybe it's going to be physically. Let's not pretend that we're supermen and superwomen. And we're the one who are only going to be the givers. Oh, it's blessed to give. But recognize who the weak are. It's you too. It's me. And we're going to need others to invest in our lives. Where does this leave us? as we wrap up and as we say farewell to the Lewises, The first thing is a note of complete gratitude to God for what the Lewises have poured out into our body because they could say this. Like I said, they wouldn't, but I will. If you could know the ways in which Kevin and Shay have very humbly and behind the scenes supported our church body from the time they came in doing publishing and making sure our straight gate posts were printed and everything else was running on schedule. In recent years, getting up to go on the north side bus and run that bus over and over. How many times have Kevin and Shade made that long drive on the bus to Camp Chatech with another load of junior church kids, another load of teen camp kids, How many different ways have they done things behind the scenes that none of us will know about, but only God does? Kevin and Shay, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts because we know you have truly lived out what it means to support your own necessities and to support the weak. And may God richly bless you for that. We are so grateful. And I can say from the bottom of my heart, you will always have a place in our church home. And in our church family, you will always be family. Uh, we are so incredibly grateful. But the second thing is for all of us to take that example that Kevin and Shay are leaving for us, like Paul left for the church at Ephesus, and truly by faith come into the idea that it is more blessed to give than to receive. There will be issues, there will be challenges that we'll face there will be challenges picking kids up and getting them into church. There will be challenges replacing all the service that they did. And our, our job is not going to be to twist your arm. It's not going to be to try to convince you you've got a little bit more left in the bucket that you can scrape out. It's going to be saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we're going to trust God to provide exactly what we need to continue supporting the weak and serving those with the gospel of Jesus Christ in this city. But there's one more thing as well, and I say this to Kevin and Shay, and I say it to you as well. Don't forget that in all your service, one day you're going to be weak too. And don't be ashamed to receive. Don't be ashamed to let your needs be known in a way that allows others to receive the blessing of giving to you. You see, it can be pride. It can be pride. When we only pretend that we are the strong ones who are giving out to the weak, we don't want to acknowledge that we are vulnerable. We don't want to acknowledge that sometimes we are emotionally low or we're physically in need or we're spiritually going through a dry patch. And so we never acknowledge it. We never admit it. The the problem for that is not only that are you not being blessed, but you're also withholding the opportunity for someone else to be blessed by giving to meet your need. What we do as a body of Christ is we recognize by faith that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we look for every opportunity to do good and bless those that God has put around us. But we also are humble enough to recognize that that means that sometimes I'm going to need to be blessed by someone else as well. And I will humble myself to be able to receive it. Well, as I said this morning, Kevin is going to line up at the back door and we're all going to weep sore and fall on his neck and kiss him. Um, So that will be one place that we're going, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, But as we look at this farewell to Paul, and as we say our own farewell to the Lewises, let's acknowledge, first of all, the love of God and his grace in bringing them into our ministry with complete gratitude Let's remember them in prayer as they go on to continue pouring in, pouring into people's lives. That's what they're going to continue to do in another place and in in another church body. And then let's also seek to follow that same Christ-like example of recognizing that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this example not an example of a person ultimately, but an example of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed life our Lord lived because he lived to give of himself to others. And I pray, Father, that you would encourage and equip our hearts that we would receive the blessing of living sacrificially and servant-heartedly for others. I do pray for Kevin and Shay. I pray for your travel mercies as they head back to Michigan. I pray as well, Father, that you would richly bless and reward them for the many hours they have poured out, for the many emotional toil that they have given, for the spiritual blessing they have rewarded us with. And we ask, Lord, for your, your deep grace to be poured out on them. And we also pray, Father, that we would take that example and walk as you would have us do in the days ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.